Blog Talk Radio. Get ready for success. Leadership Strategies for Women is a show dedicated to providing practical and valuable strategies for emerging female leaders of today. It's your time to get inspired, motivated, and challenged to achieve your best. And now, here's leadership speaker and coach, Ellie Nieves. Hello and welcome to Leadership Strategies for Women Radio. My name is Ellie Nieves and I'm a woman's leadership speaker, writer, and coach. I'm also the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women. I work with and speak for companies, organizations, and associations that want to develop their emerging leaders into effective managers and executives. I also coach women who want to achieve more both personally and professionally. Through my speaking and coaching programs, I help individuals and organizations to develop leadership skills and set strategic goals that will help them to achieve their vision for success. To learn more, please visit my website at leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. The title of our show today is Developing the Mindset of a CEO, and our guest is no stranger to the show. It's Miguel de Jesus. Miguel is a chairman at Vistage International. He is a highly accomplished, results-oriented senior-level leader with more than 20 years' experience overseeing business management, global sales and marketing with two Fortune 500 companies. He introduces, leads, and facilitates the Vistage process a process that has been refined for over 50-plus years of working with thousands of CEOs who have achieved lasting results. Miguel's coaching program through Vistage features the integration of advisory board, peer group meetings, one-to-one mentoring sessions, expert speaker workshops, and exclusive content and connectivity. Miguel is a frequent guest on our show, and I'm happy to welcome him again. Miguel, welcome to the show. Hi, Ellie. Thank you and for the warm introduction and for the welcome. And Miguel, for those listeners that haven't heard our show before and are not familiar with who you are, can you share a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. Um, I um, grew up on the Lower East Side of New York and uh, went to school in New York City, uh, High School of Music and Art, which was at the time up on 135th Street and Amsterdam Avenue. Did that commute from the Lower East Side for four years and and from there, I um, uh, moved on to Long Island University, where I received an undergraduate degree in uh, political science, um, uh, thinking at the time I would go to law school, uh, but decided to do an MBA program at Columbia University. Um, was there for a couple of years, did not finish the program, decided to go into uh, a job. Uh, and so I uh, hired on with, uh, with Xerox Corporation, where I was for about 20 years, and then moved on to uh, another uh, smaller company uh, called uh, Paychex and uh, was in an executive uh, position in that company until uh, about 2007 when I left uh, that company and formed my own business in practice. So I've been uh, working uh, at the executive level in two companies, uh, worked with small companies, large companies, and now um, uh, am affiliated with Vistage International, uh, which is a peer-to-peer advisory group of members totaling 15,000 nationally, and um, I I do a lot of work with uh, CEOs through Vistage, 
as you mentioned earlier, in the formation of advisory board uh, peer groups, um, one-to-one coaching. Um, also, we bring uh, expert speakers to our events for the benefit of the CEOs based on their needs. And uh, we have an unsurpassed uh, level of content and connectivity on our website uh, for the benefit of CEOs, um, presidents, and owners of companies. Um, and it helps them grow uh, not only their leadership, but to make uh, better decisions and also to get better uh, results. That's great. And so that's, that's, that's the Vistage story. Great, great. So what are three unique success qualities that CEOs possess? Well, I'll share with you what I've observed and what I've seen and what I've worked with. Um, working with CEO and founder of a $2 billion company uh, yields some terrific insights, um, especially when, when it was a lot smaller when I joined it. And... Uh, Top three qualities I would probably describe is vision. Um, big or small, medium-sized, really doesn't matter, public sector, private sector, employment. The leader always has to have a vision uh, for the organization, uh, a reason for it existing, which is the compelling why. That's how I refer to it. Um, that keeps them in the game and keeps them motivated and keeps them activated. So I would say vision, mission are very closely together, and that's one of the qualities. Um, they also have very crisp and clear communication skills. And, and, and Ellie, what I'm describing is the most effective ones. Uh, so they have clarity of vision, mission. They share it through great communication skills within the organization, uh, and that helps them maintain the organization in alignment with the stated objectives. And then the, the third component is the strongest CEOs that I've worked with and or met have tremendous interpersonal skills, uh, which by today's measurement tools is called, they're very high in, in emotional intelligence. And, and, and I'd say those are probably the three characteristics of the uh, top performing um, CEOs and leaders of organization out there that can be verified by, by objective assessments. And when I say objective assessments, there are 360 and 180-degree assessment tools that, that confirm those results in, in the workplace. Well, thank you for sharing those qualities, Miguel. And I think that this is very important, especially when we're talking about lead, women in leadership roles, especially when we look at the current statistics today and we see that women make up over 46.7% of the workforce, about 14.4% are in management positions, but only 3% are actually in CEO positions in the United States. So I think that it's important that we think about what we need to develop in ourselves as women so that we can start thinking like CEOs. And obviously there are other things that come into play, like wage gaps, pay equity, and other issues that come into play, but obviously when we start thinking about developing leadership skills, I think that one of the things that we need to do in order to break some of these barriers that interfere with our leadership capabilities is to also develop the mindset of a CEO so that we can take our careers to the next level. I agree. So, Absolutely. 
um, not consistent with that. Um, uh There's probably three things that that I help and guide um, leaders and and people seeking greater responsibility in. And I call those uh, three three areas basically development areas. So so one is mindset. So what is the mindset of of, of a CEO? Um, the second one is what is the the, the skill set of of CEOs? And then the third one is what are the tool sets that are available to CEOs and and people in leadership positions? Now those three components are are pretty well defined, pretty easy to define and, and put in a bucket or in a silo for people to work on. But but they all require a baseline assessment in order to know where the gaps are between where you want to be and where you are. So there, uh, let me talk a little, bit, a little bit about mindset. Mindset is really the personal game, the inner game of, of self-development. And people who take themselves seriously, now not too seriously, but seriously enough to know that there's a gap in their thinking, usually take the appropriate measures or are guided to those measures by mentors, uh, people they trust. Um, oftentimes they may not necessarily get that kind of feedback from friends, so they really have to expand their sphere of folks who influence their development. And they also have to be coachable and they also have to be open to feedback. So that's what I mean by, by the mindset component. The second one, which I said, is, is skill set. And in order to generally have somebody in senior positions pay attention to you, performance and current assignment has to be uh, exceptional, not not just average. It has to be at what I call the mastery level. So it has to be something that's recognizable not only to your peers but those that report to you. And equally as important, if not more important, it has to be recognized by the senior management team that says that you – have these skill sets and, and it should be considered. By the way, uh, Ellie, in terms of promotability, most people first get recognized for uh, greater responsibility on the basis of performance and current assignment. So by that virtue, skill set is a given at that point. If, if you are wanting senior level or beyond, skills in a specific specialized area have to have been recognized. Tool set, which is the last component, is something that is uh, available to everyone, and you don't have to be a master at everything. There are enough resources out there in the form of technical expertise, in the form of software, in the, in, in the form of executive development programs at various universities uh, that can help you along the way. So uh, to, to, to summarize, the three components that, that folks looking for greater responsibility in any environment need to focus on is mindset, skill set, and tool set. Great advice. So I think it's great that you're sharing that because it leads to my next question, and maybe you've already answered the question, but I'll ask it anyway. Are CEOs born or are they developed? That's another great debate in the halls of uh, academe and also in, uh, in the marketplace. I think there are skill sets that are self-developed, that people have an innate grasp for it, and you've seen it. You've seen it in the arts, you, where where you have gifted student programs. Uh, there, there, there is, and there are people who are gifted in a variety of elements. Some could be the gift of gab, 
Um, that, that could be a person who's great at delivering messages from a podium or reading them from a teleprompter or getting coached into de- developing and delivering the best and finest speech of their career. Every one of those people that do that, um, many of them are skilled, they're gifted. Now, that doesn't mean they, they can't benefit from coaching. I'm just saying it's a gift. And and if if I wanted to be the world's greatest communicator, I would probably have to work at it a little bit because it does not come innately to me. But there are enough resources out there at our disposal as individuals and as companies that we can bring in the right resources. Notice, remember I said tool set before. So you'd bring in the right resources, tool set, to help develop the tools, number one, and number two, develop the skills. So I think uh, there is no single answer. I think uh, leaders are both innately skilled in certain things that make them better leaders, and then there are those who actually are trained by virtue of experience, by virtue of responsibility, to become uh, leaders in their own right. Great. So, so the answer the answer is yes. <laughs> And external. <laughs> okay. So, how can an emerging leader begin to develop the mindset that you talk about of a CEO? I think that's another that's another great question. Um, let's start with uh, a baseline understanding that you've got to know where you're starting. So, there there are many objective tests out there, assessments. I use a number um, uh, for which I I will you know provide you some some links later, um, but there are tools that help you establish your baseline, which is basically defining where you are. Because if you can't define where you are, then you don't know what the gaps are, and therefore you cannot close those gaps. You can't, you're, you've got to have a plan of action that will help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. Um, a, a, a perfect example of that in terms of of developing the skills, there's an excellent book, which is a resource that I would recommend to your listeners and readers, um, published by a gentleman by the name of Tim Irwin, he's a Ph.D. It's called uh, Derailed, Five Lessons Learned from Catastrophic Failures of Leadership. Now, that will help enlighten and open the eyes of a lot of readers relative to who are these people and why did they become derailed executives. I'll just I'll just name a couple to pique your curiosity and that of your listeners. So there are a number of great leaders in this country. Few of them have run larger organizations than Robert Nardelli. Now he ran Home Depot until 2006. That's a 46 billion dollar company. He was basically let go by the board of directors. And the primary reason for that is connected to low emotional intelligence scores. He was great at getting results, had difficulties organizationally with people. Um, Here's another one that you may be familiar with. So, um, Ellie, you remember Carly, right? Carly Fiorina? Yes. yes, HP? She she ran close to a $30 billion company, one of the few women in the country, uh, to do that. Well, she had difficulties. In her reign, the board also let her go. And the primary 
discovery, which is found in the book Derailed, is that although she was very skilled at delivering results, the emotional intelligence that she used within the organization to run it was detrimental to the growth and sustainability of growth that the board wanted. She also had some difficulties with the board, with, with, which, which the book details. So, so those are two examples, uh, live examples, of how getting derailed at the executive level, despite, despite being very competent, demonstrating results, if you can't play nice with the rest of the team, it becomes difficult to stay in your position. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, we, we may not see it, depending on what level of the organization we're at, but the results have been uh, pretty crushing for some pretty um, high-level uh, people who have run significant organizations. So I imagine that you also learn a lot from working with the CEOs. You're, you're helping them. You're facilitating uh, some uh, connectivity and growth development for them, but I'm, I'm assuming that you're also learning a lot in the process. So are there any hurdles that you've had to overcome in your own success journey? Yeah, there are always hurdles. Uh, you know, the hurdles have to do with um, being viewed as, um, well, well, let me share. Let me share this, which has served me well in my career. I have strong values. I have a strong value set, and um, one of those values is integrity. So I work very hard, always, as often as I can, because always is too permanent. So as often as I can, associate with people that are consistent with the values that I have. So, if, so if I'm strong on integrity, I would never, knowingly be associated with an organization or people that lack integrity. Does that make sense? So, yeah. so you've got to know the organization in which you are engaging with and make sure that you are uh, attaching your, uh, your star to the right organization, number one, then the right people in the organization, number two. And uh, without being disrespectful for, to those that may have different values, but you should always align yourself with the best values for yourself, number one, and then for the organization, number two, and make sure that they're in alignment with the organizational goals. So there's three levels of alignment. Individual, the team that you are working with, and then organizationally at the highest level, is everyone in alignment. And if you've got that, then at least that's one of the hurdles you've got to overcome. I've been blessed in the, fuck, in the, in the fact that I have been able to select uh, two Fortune 500 companies over almost 40 years that served me well from that perspective. We were in alignment. Their goals, my goals, the ethics, the values, the way the organization treated its people, key component. And so in that regard, I had to do my due diligence. So I'm going to say I either got blessed and lucky or I was real good in selection criteria. <laughs> That's great. Does that make sense? Yes. And what are some of your personal success secrets? I'm sure that be that's one of them. Your selection. Well, secrets. I'm going to attribute a lot of it to my upbringing on the Lower East Side. Um, uh, my mom, uh, resilient, tough, and I don't mean tough on caring. I mean tough, spirited. I mean she got her AA degree. Uh, when she was 65 years old, she took the 
transit lines of New York City from Lower East Side to Brooklyn to get her degree, her AA, because she officially, when she left Puerto Rico many, many, many years earlier, uh, left with a third-grade education. Uh, and then she parlayed that into being a high school, uh, not a high school, a, um, a elementary school teacher's aide on the Lower East Side. She loved that job, working with kids. So a lot of my, who I am is attributable to my mom and, uh, and all the values that she uh, transferred to us. Uh, and my dad did what he uh, was supposed to do uh, and capable of doing. Um, and um, my parents, I got, I got to, I got to put it all at the feet of my parents. They did a great job. That's wonderful. So, Miguel, where can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, I've got um, uh, a, a website. It's called uh, Coach Miguel. www.coachmiguel.com. I've got a telephone number, which is seven six zero four three eight nine nine zero seven. And I'm uh, developing a, a website called Career Help, um, uh, Career CareerHelpSite.com, uh, where uh, your listeners and subscribers can enroll and, and get more information on a number of things. Um, I, I think the the most challenging two things in this environment today that could help your listeners is getting a clear handle, number one, on their values and there's an assessment tool available for that. And the second thing is emotional intelligence, their ability to, to effectively work um, two areas, two major components of, of, of emotional intelligence are personal competence and social competence. And if they can ma- show mastery in those two areas, I'll tell you, they'll, they'll be way ahead of, of all competitors in the area. And the other thing that I would like to to add, um, Ellie, if I may, in terms of personal development, um, you work in the area of leadership. There's a great uh, book out there called The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive, and it's a fable on leadership uh, written by Patrick Lencioni. And um, here, here are the four things that he says, Ellie. Number one, build and maintain a cohesive leadership team, and you've got to work at doing that. But a CEO who is effective works at that relationship. Number two, create organizational clarity. I mentioned that earlier. Why does the organization exist? Which behavioral values are are fundamental to the organization? How is it unique? And who is responsible for what in the organization? So it gives you organizational clarity. Um, the number three uh, element that he says is over-communicate, over-communicate with the organization, over-communicate the mission, over-communicate the, the, the vision, over-communicate anything that's important to the organization cannot be under-communicated. It has to be communicated through repetition, simplicity, multiple mediums, and and there should be cascading messages. And the fourth thing that um, that Patrick mentioned in his book is reinforce the organizational clarity through human systems. And what that means is basically how does your hiring process reflect the organizational goals and objectives? How do you ma- what do, if you use performance appraisals, are they consistent with the organizational organizational objectives that you've laid out? And then you've got to reward uh, recognize employees that perform to those levels, 
and I mean you, you got to be pretty uh, uh, obvious about it, and you got to celebrate it and recognize people. And then, of course, the, the last component in that area is if people fail or do not wish to be consistent with the clarity of the organizational objectives, then you've got to give them an opportunity to seek growth and employment with one of many other Forbes 1000 companies that are out there. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Thank you for sharing those qualities. So, Miguel, what's next for you? Um, I am uh, continuing to work with CEOs, uh, again, in, in, in the current uh, uh, environment of growth and opportunity. Um, many CEOs continue to be challenged. They're looking for uh, friends. Uh, what I what is next for me is continue to work and find uh, CEOs who 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 really are are wanting to operate outside of a silo environment and uh, and meet and talk to peers like themselves that are undergoing not only the same challenges but also want to take advantage of the opportunities. I mean, we truly live in a global economy. Uh, I was just approached uh, recently to go do some work in the Middle East. Uh, I'm, I'm not. It's too long of a trip for me, and I've got other requirements here. But uh, we truly live in a global society and an economy, and uh, uh, multilingualism continues to be important. Um, so you just got to be available. You have to be prepared, and you have to be open to what comes your way. And I'm certainly open to that. Miguel, thank you so much for being on the show. You always provide us with uh, much information to think about and always provide great resources that our listeners can refer to. So I really want to thank you on behalf of our listeners for your time and your insight. And to all my listeners, Hello? thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to visit the newly relaunched Leadership Strategies for Women webpage at leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. Until next time, God bless.